Now, we've been talking about the Word of God. We've been talking over the last few weeks, and will for a few more weeks, including today, be talking about the ministry of the Word. God's Word has a ministry to us. It is a help. That's what that word ministry means. It's an aid. It's a service. And so God's Word is that to us. And we just read here today that God has given us all things that we need. And one of those things He's given us is the Word of God. For one thing, when we look at this verse in 2 Peter 1.3, it tells us that through our knowledge of Jesus, that's the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you're born again, if you've given your life to Christ, His Spirit lives inside of you, and we're washed in the blood of Jesus. The Bible makes it very clear. If somebody's saved, they've passed from death to life. They're a new creature in Christ. They're not what they were before. We didn't just join a church. We didn't just decide to be more moral or be more spiritual, be more Christian. If we're born again, then we're born again. We've given our life to Christ. And that's what it's talking about, that through our knowledge of Him, that word knowledge is the same word for know or knowledge that's used in John 17, 3, where it says, this is life eternal. Jesus is praying to His Father. He's got His disciples sitting around Him. And He says, this is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Eternal life comes through knowing Jesus Christ. Not knowing about him, knowing the God of this Bible. Not some other Jesus. The Bible, Paul says there's other Jesuses and other Gospels. But eternal life comes through knowing Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. Through faith in, in him and the finished work he had on the cross that he accomplished for us. And so it tells us here, let's look at the scripture again. According as his divine power, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's dunamis power. That's power that's spoken of in Acts chapter 1, where it says, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. According as His divine power has given unto us some things. Is that what it says? He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who's called us unto to glory and virtue. So the one who saved us is also the one who's called us. And the one who saved us and called us also empowered us. And gave us what we need to live this life. Don't ever feel like God shortchanged you. God did this for Buck, but He won't do it for me. God did this for Bill, but He won't do it for me. God has if He saved us, He's given us everything that we need to live this life, I guess you would say successfully, in Jesus. He didn't leave you hanging. We're a whole time when we're saved, and the whole time that He brings us to heaven, we're resting in His hands. We're, our life is built upon the rock, Jesus. He is undergirding us. He is all around us. His Spirit dwells in us. He's upholding us the whole way. But He's given us everything we need. Don't think that you're not equipped by Christ to live for Christ. You are. You're equipped by Christ to live for Christ. We need to avail ourselves and take advantage of what He's given us. But He has not shortchanged us. And you might hear people say, well, I just need more grace for this. I need more grace. And I'm not saying that we don't receive more grace, but everything we need comes from the Lord. He gives us everything that we need for everything we'll ever face in this life. You might face something tonight or tomorrow, totally out of the blue, totally unexpected, that you didn't feel you were prepared for. But in that moment, in that storm, and in that trial, God will be with you and you, he will equip you for that. You might go through something you've never been before or face something or be tested in a way you've never been tested before and God will, will have the provisions for you at that moment. He'll, he'll always take care of us. He's given us all things 
that pertain to life and godliness. Now, in our study on the Word of God, I want us to see that God's Word is uh, authoritative. In other words, it's the final authority. If you looked at our Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge website, I believe it's the first one on there that talks about the Bible. We believe the Bible is the only infallible, inspired, authoritative Word of God. And all those words are important. Today we're going to talk about the authoritative and the, uh, the authority of God's Word and the sufficiency of God's Word. So if God's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who's called us, then one of the things He's given us that is authoritative and sufficient for us is His Word. The Word of God is the ultimate and must be the ultimate authority in our lives. It has to be. There has to be some standard by which we live. Certainly it's Christ Himself. But the Word that He's spoken to us, the Word that the Lord has given us, there has to be a standard. What guides us through life? What guides us in our own heart and our own conscience when nobody's around and you're by yourself somewhere? What is guiding you? And that you've heard people say before that moral compass. What is it that is your moral compass that guides your life? Is it your parents? Is it your, you know, your peers, the people around you? I pray it's not what you see on TV. You know, in the worldly mindset, what is guiding our lives? It has to be the Lord Jesus Christ by His Word. That is the authority, the ultimate authority, and, and the final authority in, in, our, in our lives. You know, the, the Bible is an amazing book. You've probably heard some of these statistics before. Written by 40 authors, over 40 generations, over a 1,500-year span. To put that in perspective, our country is not even 250 years old as a nation. The Bible was written and penned. One book, continual book written over a 1500 year period. 66 books of the Bible. Okay? And it's one theme and it's one God and it's one message to men. Amen. To fallen men about a coming redeemer. Paradise lost. Paradise regained by the Lord bringing his son uh, bringing salvation through faith in Jesus. And we see it all. And the, the critics of the Bible, and we're talking about the authority of the Scriptures, okay? The authority of the Scriptures and the sufficiency of the Scriptures for our lives. Voltaire is a famous atheist that, that died. He swore he'd see the, live to see the end of Christianity. He swore he'd see, live to see the end of people and men turning to the Bible and to Jesus Christ in his day. He was a French, uh, I forget what year he lived in, but he died. And within 50 years of his death, his house and his printing presses in his house that he used to print his uh, atheistic type of material. His house and his printing presses were used as a Bible society to print Bibles and send them out all over the world. It's, an, it's kind of ironic. How, you know, he swore he lived to see the end of it. God's Word is, has got the final authority. You've heard this probably before. God's Word is like an anvil that's worn out many a hammer. Because all the hammers are coming against. You know what an anvil is where the blacksmith is working. Mm -hmm. And that, that thing just sits there. That big solid anvil just sits there. All the work's going on on top of it. Things are being heated. Things are being placed on it. Things are being hammered and beat and reheated and placed on there again. And that anvil's still sitting there. And just like a rock staying there. The anvil has worn out many hammers. But the Bible's like that anvil. And many uh, hammers have come against it to try to break it and to tear it to pieces. And yet, here it stands, and we still have it. And guess what? We still believe it. And God's still saying, this is the truth. Walk in it. Here's the way. Walk in it. 
is our authority. Governments come and go. Uh, theories of science come and go. And, and yet here we still have the Word of God standing here. Now again, we, we can't separate, because the Bible has done this, we can't separate the Lord from His Word. We've been saying it every time. Yes, we can separate the Lord in the sense that we know Jesus hung on the cross. It wasn't our Bibles that hung on the cross. But the Lord has intertwined and linked Himself with His Word to that degree to where, thus saith the Lord, that's the Lord speaking. You understand? That's God. That's His Word. That's the authority for our lives. I just want to uh, read this scripture to you. Uh, it says in Jeremiah 23, 29, if you're taking notes, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. We're talking about, it's, it's spoken there with authority. It's spoken there as being powerful. That is the word of God. The Lord can go into some dark, deep corner of our city or our nation or our world in dark, deep corner of a man's heart who's been the most vile, filthy, sinful man or woman, and he can penetrate through there. The Word of God is like that light and just penetrates in that heart and can get hold of them and they can turn and come out of that and be born of the Spirit of God. There's nothing else that can do that. This is not the Peace Corps or something like this. This is Christianity. And listen to Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my, my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. This is not like reading a Sports Illustrated. This is not like reading the newspaper. It's not like reading a textbook or any other word. It's God's word that's living. And he says when it goes out of his mouth, guess what? It's going for a purpose. He didn't just send it out there for some... <coughs> vain, uh, pointless reason. You know, you listen to talk radio or talk TV or whatever, there's so much just vain uh, words. Yep. There's so much vanity that's just going on. Just no shortage of words. People talk now. <laughs> People always have an opinion. They want to talk. But anything that's really being said, but God's word, it's going out, it's accomplishing what he sent it forth to do. It's going forth with a purpose. It's the living word. And it's going to prosper in the thing that he sent it to do. Amen. He has a purpose in sending it out. It's not just going out for nothing. But God's word has to be the ultimate authority that governs our lives, okay? And if God created all things, which he did, he certainly can uphold it all, right? He can govern his, his creation. The Bible says that he's upholding all things by the word of his power in Hebrews chapter 1. So he, can he govern our lives? Can he uphold us? By his word, he certainly can. And let's look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, y'all turn there. It seems like every time we study the word of God, every one of these sermons, we're going to end up here. So hopefully we'll have memorized these few verses by the time we're through studying on this series. But let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, completed, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God's word is able to do this. God's word is the one that uh, is sufficient for these things. It's not... 
anything else that's able to do that. Just the Lord. I want to read in 2 Peter, I'll read this, chapter 1, 19. We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's telling us the Word of God didn't come like any other book came from the will of man, out of the heart of man, or the mind of man. The Bible came, it says, they didn't come from the will of man. It came from the will of God, and holy men of God spake. There are already holy men of God that walked with the Lord and knew the Lord. And they spake, or in this case wrote, as the Holy Ghost moved them. That means steer them like steering a ship. You know, if a sailboat's out of out uh, a lake or an ocean or something, something's steering that ship. We have the sail set a certain direction, so the wind will catch it a certain direction. There's also a, a rudder on that ship that's going to help to steer it. That's the same word here when it says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were steered. They weren't possessed like in a trance. They were men of God that knew God and walked with God, and God impressed upon their hearts and steered them to write what they wrote, okay? And we have it here before us, and it's the Word of God. And it has to be the ultimate authority in our life. God has graciously given us what we need. First of all, to come to the Lord, to, be, to come to Christ, to know that He's the Savior. God's given us His Word to tell us that, to reveal Jesus Christ to us as the Savior of man, as the Savior of the world. And then once we come to Him, to walk with Him all the days of our life, we don't have to have anything else. We need the Lord, and He's given us His Thank Word. That's all that we really need. And I think the far, farther you press on this life with Jesus, the more precious the Word's going to become to you. The more dependent you're going to find that you are upon His Word. And the more thankful you are for the Bible. And the less you're going to see, and the less I'm going to see, that I don't need all those other things I thought I needed. Even in my Christianity, I don't need all those other things. Some things are nice, but you know what? I'm going to find myself more and more going to the Word. I'm going to find myself more and more thinking about the Lord and quoting scriptures like we talked about in Sunday school and quoting Psalm 37 back to my trust in the Lord and do good. You know, verily, you're going to be fed. The Lord's going to bring it to pass. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in Him. What is that I'm saying? It's God's Word. Amen. It's His promises. It's what He's spoken to us. I'm going to find myself going to that more and more and trusting in that more and more. And a lot of the little, uh, what I would call just the, the frills of life, the little extra trappings in life, we're going to find ourselves putting that away more and more. Y'all, the Bible says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's what the Bible says, right? Men are going to be lovers of their own selves. And, and we're going to see it more and more in our day. Do you think we'll see it more than what Paul saw in his day? Absolutely. Absolutely, because the Bible tells us that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. That means there's an increase, right? Worse and then worse and then worse. Not just that it's going to be bad. It's going to be going, getting worse and worse. Spiritually, the climate. Well, we're living in this day. You and I better be people of prayer. We better be people of the Word. 
We need to be people, some of the people of God. We don't need to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to be our minds meditating on the Lord, our minds renewed by the Spirit of God. Something's going to steer the ship in your life. It better be the Word of God. Amen. Something's going to steer the ship in my life. The Holy Ghost Amen. and the Word of God Thank working you. in our lives. Okay? And He's got to lead us in guys. He desires to do that. He's able to do that. And we don't have to look any further. I don't have to look outside of that. It is sufficient. What God has given us is sufficient. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament. Uh, preached on, on it before. And you've probably read it before. King Hezekiah that you read about it in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 when the Assyrians were coming against them. And Israel had been uh, under siege. Jerusalem and the city was under siege. And the people were starving. And the Assyrians made these threats. We're coming to take you next. We're getting ready to come in there. And, and the king of Jerusalem, king of, uh, of Judah, Hezekiah says, Don't you fear them. Don't fear the people uh, of Assyria. He goes, because with them is just the arm of the flesh. With us is God mighty to save. Thank you. Thank you. And when he said that, it says the people rested themselves in the words of the king of Judah. Now think about it. That was an earthly king. Now he was spiritual. He trusted God. Okay? But the point is, that's the only time in the whole Bible that word rested is used like that. And it means to, to, to put the whole uh, weight upon. Like if you're leaning on a crutch or, or when you're hurt and you're putting your whole body weight upon something, that crutch, okay? It says that the people of Judah rested themselves or put their whole weight and confidence upon the words of their king. But well, we ought to put all of our confidence and weight upon our king the words of our king if he says it that ought to settle it for us he ought to, we ought to give the Lord that place of authority in our lives for if he says it we believe it I don't get it I don't understand it I can't figure out how he's going to do it but if he said it it ought to be enough to be my support it ought to be enough to be my platform and my rock that I stand upon I don't care what CNN says or Fox News says or what, what I see when I look with my eyeballs out the window. I ought to be able to rest upon the words of my king. I ought to be able to rest and thus saith the Lord. You know, it's 30, I think it's 3,800 times in the Bible, a phrase, thus saith the Lord, or a similar phrase is in there. The word of the Lord came to me. Thus the Lord spoke to me. Something about the word of God. 3,800 times. It's always to be trusted. Amen. Okay? The one he's speaking to is to trust it. And he's speaking it to you and me. He's speaking to us this morning. And he speaks to us every day through his word. But the people rested in the words of Hezekiah. And they were delivered. They were delivered mightily. They didn't have to fire a bow and arrow. They didn't have to raise a sword. They had to defend themselves against incoming uh, artillery, you know, or rocks or fire darts or anything coming at them. They just woke up in the morning and the Syrian army was dead. That was it. They rested in the words of the Lord. God wants us to rest in Him. He wants us to trust in Him. Now, y'all, he, he wants us to know that, that that's our strength and we can rest in His Word. Now, it's understandable to me that a lost world would not look to God's Word as being their authority. I, I get it. They don't know the Lord. Why would they look to the Bible for answers to life? Answers to life problems. They don't know the Lord. Okay? I can understand that. But I, we're seeing it more and more in our day 
where Christians, and I'm going to use the word Christian in the sense that what would call themselves Christian, may or may not be born, truly born again. We're seeing it more and more in our day where Christianity and Christians are not relying solely upon the Word of God as their authority. That's where the real problem comes in. I can tell you that great problems arise to the church of Jesus Christ, to your individual life, any individual local <laughs> church, if the people in that congregation, or you, or me, or what calls itself a Christian, is not relying solely upon the Word of God. This is my final authority. Thus saith the Lord is what I'm going to trust in. And we're going to have serious consequences and problems for not doing that. We're seeing that in our day, right? More. Increasingly more. People are looking at outside sources for their, for their answers to life's questions. A lost world, like I said, I get it. I understand. Why would they trust? They don't even know God. Why would they believe, thus saith the Lord? They're not going to go to that. And once they're born again, they will. But the Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It's just nothing but foolishness. You Christians, you're, you thump your Bibles, right? Bible thumpers. And you yeah, fire and brimstone and all this kind of stuff. And they, they accuse us and locked up in your old superstition religious Bible. Okay? That's how they see it. It's foolishness to them. That, but they're perishing. Okay? It's foolish to them that perish. But unto us that are saved, it's the power of God. Amen. I'm out. And if I'm a Christian, I need to look at it as being that. God's word is the power of God. I need to trust in it. It's like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. It's like a fire. It goes forth and accomplishes out of God's mouth and accomplishes what he pleases. It's forever settled in heaven. Till heaven and earth pass away, his, his word, he says, heaven and earth will pass, shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. They're not going to pass away. So all the hammers are beating on it. Lost world's beating on it. A lot of the church world's beating on it why you get all these new translations of the Bible. And it seems like there's a, few, there's a few good ones, very few, that are actually accurate. And I mean good in the sense that they're accurate and true to the original text. That's what I mean by saying a good translation of the Bible. Not that I like this one better. That's not the standard. The standard is, is that God's Word? Is that what God spoke? Or did you change it up? Did you doctor it up to make it fit into the, a 21st century society? Okay? And so God's word changes not. That, thus saith the Lord, is our, is our authority. It has to be. And so I want you to look, if you would, at a couple of scriptures. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah 2. Let's read verses uh, 12 and 13. Now this is the time, you know the story of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He was true to the Lord. He walked with the Lord. God spoke to him and God sent to write and record what he, he spoke to him. And Jeremiah wrote it down and God shared, uh, put on his heart to speak it to the people of his nation and to the king. He was totally rejected. Now, nobody wanted to hear what he had to say. He's speaking on behalf of the almighty God but nobody wants to hear what he has to say. <clears throat> Bad news. We don't want to hear it. They took what he wrote on the scrolls and threw it in the fire. He wrote it all down again. They threw him in the pit where he sunk up to his waist in the mire. Okay? And here the Lord is bringing a rebuke on Israel. Look at Jeremiah 2, 2 12. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people. Now, this is not talking about the lost world, is he? He says, My people. 
So I know this is speaking to Judah and to Israel, this elect of the Lord, this chosen of the Lord. We can put ourselves in this in the sense that we're the people of God by faith in Jesus, all right? I'm not saying we're Israel, but just listen. If my people have committed two evils, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's number one. And number two, have hewed them out cisterns. That's like a container to hold water. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. So what were they doing? They forsook the Lord, and in so doing, they forsook, they forsook his word. That to me is like the water of the word. They forsook the what that thus saith the Lord. They didn't want it anymore. We don't want the Lord. We don't want his word. We don't want to be washed and cleansed by the word. We don't want thus saith the Lord in our lives. We want to try this. Other people are doing this. These other nations are doing this. Don't we see that in our society? Certainly we see it in the world. But don't we see it more and more in the church? We have Christian yoga now. There's no such thing. Yoga, by its very nature, is from an Eastern religion. If you want to go stretch, go stretch. If you want to pull your heel up behind the back of your head, go for it. Okay? But don't do Christian yoga. There's no such thing. Uh, we see the world doing Christian psychology. Go, go look at, and find a university. You know what? They give one degree in psychology. It's the one with Freud and Jung and all those guys and Maslow. It's one degree that you get in psychology, even for a Christian. If you're going to get a, a degree in that. Now, I know there's Christian counselors and so forth. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the church turning to the world, forsaking the living waters and turning to broken cisterns that can hold no water. And that's what we see people doing. It's not just in the world. We see it more, more in the church. God wants us to trust in him that the sufficiency of his word, the, uh, the authority of his word, that I don't need the word of God plus the wisdom of man. I don't need the word of God plus uh, Sigmund Freud and how he dissects the mind, okay? I don't need that. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, the foolishness unto him, neither can he know him, know them because they're spiritually discerned. I want the wisdom of God. Amen. I want the wisdom of God. Because you can have somebody that's very uneducated, that's very wise in Christ. Amen. And somebody comes with depression or a broken heart or a broken marriage or a broken this or failing out in school and no direction and filled with rebellion and sit them down there and if they'll listen to this Christian speak the word of God, and if that Christian will hear from God and say, thus saith the Lord to this person and minister to them through the word of God, they're going to start receiving you, this wisdom Amen. from the Lord that the world could not offer them or supply to them. God's word is authoritative and it's sufficient for these Thank things. You, now, Jesus told the two disciples that weren't named but on the, the Emmaus Road, the morning of the resurrection, two disciples of Jesus were walking with Jesus didn't know it was him. They didn't recognize him, right? It, for some reason, their eyes, where it says, were withholding, and they knew it was a man, but they didn't know that it was the Lord. So they're walking with him half the day. They're walking along to another city about eight miles away. Uh, and uh, it says that, the, that Jesus rebuked them. They still didn't know who it was, and they were scratch, scratching their heads and saying, we don't, uh, we don't know what's going to happen we thought Jesus, this mighty man of Nazareth, who was mighty in miracles and deeds, we thought he was going to be the Savior of the world, and he was crucified. 
And this is the third day, and some people said this morning, some ladies told us he rose from the dead. We don't, haven't seen him ourselves. We don't know what to think. What should they think? They should have thought with the Lord. I'm not saying I'd be any better than them, okay? But what they should have thought, and what I should think, is what did the Lord tell them? <clears throat> he said, I'm going to be taken to the Jews, and I'm going to be crucified, and the third day I'm going to rise again. That's what he told them. And guess what? That's exactly what he did. He was taken by the Jews, he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he's the one that was talking to them. But they're like, I don't know, we just don't know what to think now. Again, I'm not saying I'm any better than them in many times in my life. But he rebuked them and he says, oh fools, and slow in heart to what? To believe all that the prophets have spoken. You should have believed all of it. You should have believed everything that those prophets told you, every bit of it. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he began to expound unto them all the things in the scriptures concerning himself. We're going to recount the story again, fellas, as we walk along. And he starts telling them the whole story about a promised Savior, Moses, and the prophets. Using the Old Testament scripture, he paints the picture of the first coming of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, his birth in a manger in Jerusalem. The whole bit, hanging between two thieves on a cross, all of it concerning himself the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. He said, you don't, you don't believe all of it. He rebuked them. You're fools and slow in heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's his word, right? That's his word. We have the same Bible. We have the complete Bible. They only have the Old Testament at that time. But we have the same scriptures. The dust saith the Lord. I think about how pathetic it is if we're turning, and I'm saying the church world, I pray you're not, and I pray I'm not, and I pray we hold ourselves accountable. Turning from forsaking the you know forsaking the Lord and these turning to broken cisterns that can hold no water, to turn to me that's turning to the worldly wisdom, turning to science falsely so called. The Bible says there is a true science. I'm not making fun of the law of gravity and you know the Boyle's law where gases dissipate and things like this. That's real science that can be uh, can be reproduced, you know, tested. And that's real science. I'm talking about what's called science, like uh, psychology, you know, those are spiritual things they're talking about. Somebody's depressed. Yeah, they really are depressed. But it's not Sigmund Freud's theory that's going to help them out. Amen. That's not a real science. It's his thoughts, his theory. And from what I understand, and I think this is recorded, he res received that, like in a deep demonic type of trance, he received that whole theory of psychoanalysis kind of thing, but he has this whole theory about the, uh, the ego and the id and the, all those things. He received all that like in one sitting, and wrote it all down. That's not from the Lord. That's right. I want to go here. I don't want to forsake. And we see the world so much turning to that, to modern psychology, or turning to put science here, what they call science here in the Bible somewhere down here. It doesn't work that way. God's not going to be in competition with those things. He's not sharing that authority with the latest and greatest scientific uh, discovery. When any true science, again, the Bible's not anti-science and neither am I. When any new true scientific discovery comes along, guess what? It's already confirmed in the Bible. It was already there all the time. Man just finally figures it out and God's been saying it forever. The Lord sits on the circles of the earth. He knew the earth was a sphere. He made it. 
Usually, scientists would have told you, scientists would have told you that the Earth is flat. If you go too far, you're going to fall off the edge. Scientists. Scientists don't know that the Lord has already confirmed it. He knows it. Science just kind of peels back a little and sees a little glimpse of it. Now they think they've discovered something. God said, I already knew that. I already made it. I've got it under control. But think, I think about Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament. You know the story of Saul, first king of Israel. Physically, he was very big and, and impressive looking, a head and shoulders above the rest of the people. You can spot him in a crowd. There's Saul. We want him for our king. He's head and shoulders above everybody else. We want Saul to be our king. He was little in his own eyes. He was hiding, says, hiding behind his stuff, whatever the stuff was. When they wanted to take him and make him king, he was hiding out. He wasn't ready for that. Didn't want to be that. The Spirit of God came upon him. He prophesied with a prophecy. He started off well. He started off trusting God. He started off humble and little in his own eyes. It wasn't long before that him being king became more important than his relationship with God. And thus saith the Lord was not the final authority in his life. He thought, Is my, what, I, what do I need to do in this situation to keep my authority, to keep my power, to keep my position of prominence among the people? He disobeyed God. He disobeyed God again. And you know the story I'm giving you, the snapshot. All the way to the very end of Saul's life, who started out so wonderfully, okay, and humbly before the Lord, the Spirit of God came on and he prophesied. And the Lord would have, the Bible tells us this, established his kingdom forever. And God knew what he was going to do. At the end of his life, you know what he was doing? At the end of his life, he's about to go to battle against the Philistines. They've gathered together. And he, he goes and finds a witch, a fortune teller, in Endor. This lady was known as a little town she lived in, whatever. And he disguises himself where he doesn't look like the king of Saul because it would have been humiliating for the king of Israel, God's people, king of the people of Jehovah, to be consorting with a witch. But he disguises himself and he goes to the tent or the door of this witch of Endor and says, says uh, tell me if we're going to win in our, in our battle tomorrow. Like he's going to a fortune teller. I just, to me, that's such a pathetic scene every time I think about it. How pitiful. How pathetic. Here's this big man. He's a king. He had, God had given him success in a lot of areas. Humbly serving God to start off. And you go so far downhill that he is found uh, out broken cisterns. Okay, He's going to a witch at Endor, disguising himself. Can't even stand upright and say who he is because he's embarrassed to be going in there. And he goes in and sits before a fortune teller to tell him what he should do with his life. Should I go into battle? What's going to happen when we go into battle? You understand? That's just pathetic. The whole scene is pathetic. But that's what, hap what happened to the, will happen to the church of Jesus Christ as we would forsake the, the word of God as being that authority and that being sufficiency. And we're going to turn... I'm going to set the Bible over here for a while. I'm going to go to Dr. Phil for this one. I'm going to go to this person for this one. I'm going to go to science. I know it disagrees with the Bible, but I'm going to have to trust science on this one. I have a college degree. I'm not stupid. You know what I'm saying? We can. God's Word is not anti-science. You understand what I'm saying? True science is going to be biblical. They're not at odds together. The theory of evolution is just that. It's a theory. The theory, the Big Bang theory is a theory. That's not science. 
So when we start talking about those things and origins and then all the ramifications of that, you're talking about the theories of men. That's the wisdom of this world. And we're seeing the church forsake to a large extent, forsake the word of God, and turn to these this worldly wisdom. I want to read something from Dave Hunt's newsletter. He says, For yet for too too long, for too long, Christians have he's speaking specifically about Christian, about psychology, okay, and psychiatry. But it makes the point. For too long, Christians have looked to the church to answer our theological questions and looked elsewhere for answers to everything else in life. And we see that more and more. It's understandable, like I said, that the world would reject. I mean, the world would reject the Bible. However, the world's the world's getting further and further away, and we see the church falling after. We see the church uh, start to doubt its own doctrines about what it believes. And I've told you all about these uh, Jesus conferences and that kind of thing where they Christian leaders. Again, we're not talking about Hindus and Muslims. Uh, we're talking Buddhists. We're talking about Methodist and, and Episcopalian is a different Christian denomination. So sit in judgment of the Bible. They'll literally, I've told you about it, literally sit and read a passage from the Bible and they'll look at each other and they'll vote. Do you think this really happened? Do you think G Jesus and Peter really walked on the water? No, we don't believe that. And they take it out. They literally tear it out or black it out of the Bible or whatever. But you see the point. Uh, forsaken the living fountain the living waters of God. The word of God. Thus saith the Lord. But where in the word are you going to stand on? If I've chunked the word of God out the window and still call myself a Christian, what am I going to stand on? I'm going to stand on Jesus' word and it's something else? You know, and try to see how it works out? It's got to be all or nothing. It, it's, we walk with the Lord. I'm not saying we should be uh, academically ignorant and we shouldn't understand what the theory of evolution is. We understand what the theory is. I don't believe it. That's a theory. We're not to be ignorant and go through life like cavemen, you know, something like this. We are to understand uh, what's going on, but our faith and our confidence is in the Word of God. It's in thus saith the Lord. That is my rock. I'm not confused about it. I'm not debating whether I'm going to trust that and what Dr. Phil says. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And I'm going to keep my eyes upon Him. He says, uh, even many ministers and pastors uh, have, have left the ministry to become licensed psychotherapists. In the past 60 years, psychological theory has usurped the place of spiritual practice, even among Christians. Okay? The Bible proves, uh, in other words, we're going to have our answers. It has to come from the Lord. Don't tell me that the, the Word of God is sufficient for doctrinal questions. We want to talk about the blood of Jesus and forgiveness in heaven and hell. I'll go to the Bible. But if I want to talk about something else in life, like depression, or, or uh, something like some kind of addiction in life, I need to go to a psychotherapist for that. Do you all believe that the Lord... We open, What's the scripture we open with? 2 Peter 1.3, that He's given us all things. All things that pertain unto life. Well, that's pretty clear, right? The Lord has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's living a godly life for Jesus once I'm born again according to His divine power by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And He's given us His Word. It says the Bible is the only authoritative document 
that is sufficient when it comes to matters of the soul. God himself created humans and created our souls. He not only gave them a soul, but he gave them his word concerning matters of the soul. Amen? So I just wanted to read that, that quote from him. But y'all, we, we see the world, uh, we see the church world ever more abandoning their own belief in the Bible. And thus saith the Lord. I understand it in the world. I see that. But understand, I don't... It ought not be in the church, is what I'm saying. If the church of Jesus Christ is forsaking that authority of the Bible and the sufficiency of the Scriptures, that God can lead us, heal us, deliver us, save us through His Word. He can do that. He has the answer for that. We ought to be men and women of the Word and walk in it. And I'll just ask this question. If we see that ever-increasing like an abandoning of the Word, and I think a lot of these new Bible translations work along with that. I think movies like The Shack and things like that that paraphrase everything and make God to be a, a fat African-American woman and the Holy Spirit is a Chinese uh, woman. And this this was in The Shack, you know, the, the pictures that are given. Oh, well, those kind of things help me to you know, picture God as being my friend and things like that. It's ludicrous. God, you don't think he can speak to you through your word? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost? I don't need all that. That's the world coming to the church. That's not the church going to the world. That's not an evangelical movement that's going out to reach the lost. You're going to reach them with the shack. I want you to reach them with your Bible. I want you to reach them with the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Well, they're depressed. They're about to commit suicide. We need to bring them to this counselor. Now bring them to Christ. Amen. He died for them. They don't feel love. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. I'll be your friend. Come to church with me. You understand what I'm saying? We don't need that worldliness in the church. And I'll just ask this question. I know we, we know the answer to it. But as we see the, the church world moving more away from the authority and sufficiency of the scriptures. Okay? And we do see that. Is our testimony for the Lord stronger because of that? And just, let's just think about it for a second. Are we better off because of it? Abandoning the word for worldly wisdom. Are we, is our testimony for Christ stronger when we forsake the word for the authority and wisdom of the world? Is, is our, are we happier is your home happier? Are your children happier? When you start neglecting the Bible and start putting your confidence more, obviously not. Obviously not. Are we stronger? Are we wiser because of it? Do we have more peace in our minds and our hearts when we're not thinking about God's word, thus saith the Lord, and trusting it? We make better, do you think we make better choices in our lives? Day to day, just every day, when we're forsaking God's word and trusting more. Obviously not. We know the answer to all of these things. And we want the world's wisdom. And just listen to this. I've got these scriptures written. Just listen. For it is written, 1 Corinthians 1.19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Let's talk about worldly wisdom. You can just count on God taking care of that, okay? I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent would be so-called wise. They think they're wise. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God 
stronger than men. God's going to bring it all down. He's going to do it. Just trust Him. How do I know that? He just told me His Word. We're talking about His Word, right? Yeah. We, we know that from the Bible. In the world, the world in its wisdom, you know what the world in its wisdom did? Destroy, crucified the Lord. Amen. The Savior that, was, that loved Him was promised and came to redeem the whole world from sin. The world in its wisdom knew not God, the Bible says, and crucified Him. Had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, <coughs> the Bible says. That's the world in its wisdom. I just want to throw out a few examples. And we're going to close here with this. But the Bible says, professing themselves to be wise. What does that mean? I'm wise. I'm wise. We're educated. We're a lot wiser in the 21st century than they were in the 1800s or whatever. We don't need those Bible thumpers. That's old. That's outdated. We're wise. We're wise. Science is our God. You know, we're this, we're that. Professing themselves to be, to be wise, they become, what? Fools. That's what the scripture says, Romans 1.25, or 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. So let me give an example. The world would say, and even a lot of the church world too would say, Alberta, you want to go to the Bible for uh, questions in theology and doctrine and the uh, deity of Christ, and that's fine. Go to that for that, but but not for anything else, real life kind of stuff. But uh, if He's given us all things that pertain unto life and darkness, He's given us all things. Certainly, it starts with the relationship with Christ. Certainly, it starts with these spiritual things about the Lord. But I'll give you an example: money. The the, the world might say, well. You need to go to the world for wisdom when it comes to handling your finances. But the one who, whose name is Jehovah Jireh, who provided a lamb for himself, Amen. and who supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory, you think he can provide for us and not Amen. show us how to Amen. spend, give, save? You know, with material things? Absolutely, he can. The Lord does that and is able to do that. He tells us to, uh, as a man sows, he's going to reap. And the Bible tells us that we're to give and to give generously to God and the things of God and the people of God. And we do that, we're not going to lack any good thing. Give it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. God's word does tell us about finances. You understand what I mean? In other words, just the general, the general teachings, how I want to interact with my finances, what place it should have in my heart and life, how giving should I be. These things are led by the Lord. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Okay? And enjoy the fruit of your labor, says Ecclesiastic. If you work hard, enjoy what you did. Get, get a good meal. You know what I mean? Enjoy something. And, and God's Word tells us all those things. How about success? You want to be successful in athletics? a big deal with parents today raising their kids. I want my kids to be successful in academics and athletics in a career one day. The world says you got to do it this way. It's a worldly way. We've been through all that. Like with their own children, and you are. You, you have the same experiences. you got to do it this way. you got to play the game, so to speak. If you're in a business and you want to be successful, you have to sort of promote yourself. You might have to step on a few people along the way. You might have to bend a few of your Christian rules just a little bit here to get in with 
in this college that you want to get into, or to get into this work position. And the Bible says, seek you first. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It just cuts through all that bull, doesn't it? It just cuts through all that nonsense, because God's word is sufficient for that. Again, I'm not saying we're to be ignorant and uneducated and not understand the way things work in life. I'm saying what governing our lives. How are you making decisions? What are they based upon? If they're based upon worldly wisdom that doesn't know God, they're lost, their foolish minds and hearts are darkened, the Bible says, because they don't know the Lord, are you going to make your decisions and my decisions based on, thus saith the Lord? Behold, it is written, that's what I'm going to do. If nobody else, seven and a half billion people, probably eight billion people planning, if nobody went along with me, I'm going to go with God. I'm going to go thus saith the Lord. I'm not in this to be popular. I'm in it to walk with the Lord. You're in it to walk with the Lord. He'll cause us to find favor with those he wants us to. Depression, for example, the world would say, you got to do this, or maybe take this psychiatric drug. My friends of mine from high school, that have gotten saved and come off of those things and told me how horrible it was. I'm not making fun at all. They didn't know. Okay? The world's going to say, this is what you have to do for that depression. Or find something you like to do and go do it. You know, go, go do something fun and preoccupy your time and your mind. Jesus said this, these things I've spoken unto you that, that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. He's got an answer for everything. But it's going to come through a relationship, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not knowing about the Bible and not even knowing scripture from the Bible. Knowing the God of the Bible. Through faith in Jesus. Having his spirit indwell us. Having his spirit fill us. And walking with the Lord. And he has given us all those things that we need. Thus saith the Lord. The Bible rightly divided is sufficient for our lives. There's so much more that can be spoken. Let's talk. I'm going to close with this, but I want us to know that if we leave with one thought today, what God has given us is enough. It is enough. You're not missing out on something. Young people are not missing out on any joy that the world has that you don't have. Some fun thing the world's doing that you're not. You're not missing out on anything. <coughs> Or these people are really educated. I need to get their wisdom so that my life can be fulfilled. But they don't even know the Lord. I know the Lord. You know what? They need what I've got. They need the Jesus that I have. And so if we get one thing from this, that not for, don't forsake the Word of God. We would never say those words, I've forsaken the Bible. But in your own practice, in your own day-to-day -day practice, how you make decisions, how you reason things and let it be governed by the Word of God. It is our authority, so it's authoritative, and it's sufficient. There is the sufficiency of the Scriptures, of thus saith the Lord. And you can come on up. I want to close just by reading. Y'all stand with me and listen to this. Uh, you know, uh, in the book of Acts, where Peter and John were, or, uh, I mean, in the book of Acts, where Peter and John were persecuted, and brought before the Pharisees and before the council, right? He threatened not to preach in Jesus' name anymore, not to, um, not to speak in his name anymore. And they were beaten, let go. It says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God 
to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We've all heard that scripture. But that's really what it comes down to, right? Man was even the religious man was telling them, in this case they were lost. That council didn't know the Lord, but they were religious nonetheless. The religious man and the authority was telling them, we command you not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. So there's the world. Barking out instructions, speaking with authority, speaking with their wisdom. And here's two fishermen, ignorant and unlearned men, what, what they perceived them to be. They took knowledge that they'd been with Jesus, and they said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, you judge that. We cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. We've got another authority. We've got another sufficiency. We're going to do this over here. And that's how we're going through life. We're no different than Peter and John. In that sense, we have the same God of this world that wants you to bow down to their science. Same God of this world that wants you to bow down. This is the way the world's going. We're accepting this in society. We're rejecting Christianity and Christ, and that's too fundamental, and that's old and outdated. We have the same things we're facing. Which are we going to hearken to? You see it in your jobs. You see it in workplace. You see it in your schools and your campuses. And we have to be founded upon Christ. He has given me all things that I need, and He's given me His Word. And I need to rest upon Him. But let's let's just give this time to the Lord. And thank God for His Word. We're going to spend a couple more weeks. Next week, we won't. We'll take a break from this series on the ministry of the Word. But let's just come before the Lord. And I just want to ask God to forgive me. And, and you ask the Lord to forgive you if in any way. I know we would never say those words. I'm forsaking the Bible. But if any way you have allowed in your own hearts worldly wisdom to usurp Thus saith the Lord. It's taken that place, or even side by side, or co-partner with the Word of God. Then we need to ask God to forgive us. We need to ask God, Lord, I'm going to live by your Word. When the dust settles, when it's all over, I'm going to be standing. Amen. I'm going to be standing with you. And we just read, the Lord's going to destroy the wisdom of this world. He's going to do it. He's not asking you to do it. He's asking you to live for Him and walk with Him. He'll destroy the wisdom of this world. It's going to come to an end. It's all going to burn up. It's going to be destroyed. And it'll be proved that it was false. And it'll be proved who was false. And it'll be proved who knows Jesus and walks with Jesus. Everybody's confused now. We're all mingled together on one planet. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Keep your eyes on Jesus and walk with the Lord. And Father, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, God. And I just pray that you would uh, forgive us in any way, any decisions we make, a worldly mindset, anything where we have trusted in man's wisdom and failed to turn to you and to your word, failed to allow Jesus Christ and thus saith the Lord to be the authority in every area of our life, where we didn't trust your word to be sufficient. We didn't think your word was able to help us in this particular area. We needed the wisdom of the world. Forgive me and forgive us, God. Let us not be that people that forsakes the living fountain. 
and tries to build our own little containers to hold water that are broken. Let us be a people, God, that trusts you and stands and is immovable. Founded upon, thus saith the Lord, thus it is written. What saith the scriptures? Those that have young children, that they would bring up their children to live by the word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Help us to do that, Lord. Not to put on our church world here, our church mindset. We get to work and we're around the worldly people and we feel like we got to do things that way. Or we're in our biology class and we feel like we have to do it that way. Help us to trust you. Thank you that you'll never fail us. Thank you. Just call upon the Lord. Spend a few minutes, some time with the Lord in prayer.